We are ready to play today as well. It's our number two of the Northland Sports page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. It is our number two, but Dave, this is going to sound a lot like most weeks do in our number one because 100%. the order of the show, let's just say, it got shuffled a bit today. Well, when you have the opportunity to talk to Chad Greenway, you take the opportunity. And if that means the rest of us have to change, well, that means the rest of us have to change. Absolutely. You make the adjustment when necessary because we love talking to Chad just as we did love talking to Dave Hoops and Corey with Sean. It was a fun first hour. It was a really good first hour, and you know, it's too bad Dave's um, um, cell phone wasn't the greatest because there's so much going on uh, down a canal and, and hoops brewing is so much the center of what's going on down there. And you were right, man, when you said it's going to be a lot of people down there, hoops will be hopping, but it's still the place to go. Absolutely. So the good news with that is you can call an audible. If you didn't understand his responses because of his cell phone today, go to hoops, find him and just ask him the questions we did. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So what we're going to do today in hour number two is again, what we normally do in many hour number ones in the history of this show. And that's have an opening topic. And the coaches in Minnesota have become a hot topic of sorts. So what we're going to do today, I called it coach speak when I sent you the itinerary for the show. But what we're going to do with the four major men's pro sports teams in Minnesota is talk about which coach you would most like to be right now. And we're going to rank them one to four because, frankly, this all started back on Tuesday. I tweeted this and I said it to you, Dave. I said, it's only Tuesday and this may have already been one of the worst weeks in Minnesota sports. History. Because the Vikings did what they did on Monday night. The Twins have announced a while back they were cutting payroll. They watched Sonny Gray and Kenta Maeda go basically in a two-day period. The Timberwolves, Anthony Edwards got hurt, even though this team is still playing very well. Oh, by the way, Dean Evison lost a job. The Gopher football team is a circus in its own right. And the Gopher basketball team got beat by the University of San Francisco. And I'll quote one of the guys on the on ESPN last night, and the last time I checked, Bill Russell wasn't playing there. Right. Because I saw the Golden State Warriors floor when I watched that game a little bit, and I went, oh, Golden State game's on. Wait, no, it's the Golden Gophers. Wait, that's the University of San Francisco? Are they still a thing? Apparently a thing that's better than a Big Ten school that we know. Yeah, 100%. But we've been saying that about Gopher basketball for a while. And truthfully, they've looked okay so far. And so let's I'm going to give them a pass on that one. Let's see how they do continuing forward. Right. And as a result, we're going to pass on commenting on P.J. Fleck or Ben Johnson. They will not be part of this. But the four men's major pro sports teams, who would you rather be right now being in charge of these teams? Because you've got a wild team that had been terrible, made a change, and has won a couple of games. You got a Wolves team that is really good, but when, if they haven't already, is a state going to choose to notice? You've got a Twins manager that is very polarizing. I like him, but I think overall a lot of people don't, but they're coming off a successful season, but coming off that season basically saying, well, we're not going to spend to try to get better, and that rubbed people the wrong way. And then you've got Kevin O'Connell that is always in the spotlight because it's the NFL but that spotlight doesn't mean positivity either. No, I agree with you. But considering what we're talking about today, which coach you'd rather be, like I'm going to lead off with that one. I think Kevin O'Connell's the guy you want to be because he's had a couple of rough weeks. But for the most part, people think he's the glue holding this whole thing together because All of right, draft picks. So he's been. your number one. He is my number one. All right. So I want to know how you did this. Yeah. Did, did you rank it in the fact that you would like to be yeah. them? Yep. Or did you do it in the fact of who's doing the best job among nope. them? I, I thought who who has who has the be- the one I'd want to be who has kind of the best situation. All right, I respect Self-made. that. So that's your number one. So we'll do this it one, is. two, three, four, if you'd like. Yep. Because I'll comment where they fall for me as you do yours, if that yep. makes sense. So just to tell you, we're a little different to kick it off. Pun Finally, intended with right? Kevin O'Connell. Your number one is my number three. Well, I think that people still see the success that he's had with the roster that didn't do anything two, three years ago, um, the fact that they were sparkly last year and this year they're fighting through, but they're fighting through, and he's had multiple hands tied behind his back. I think people still see his job as pretty good. I agree with you, but here's where I put him as low as I did. He's got to be beside himself that this 500 football team's biggest issue is offense because – his great football mind, his elite talent, is what? Yeah, offense, quarterbacks. Right. <laughs> and they can't figure that out to save the, their lives right now. The biggest problem they have is turnovers. And so that's the one that I find it interesting that they haven't been able to solve. And do you put that at the head coach's feet? At some point, you do. Right. The other thing is, 
I understand Chad Greenway just said it. He just texted me again, by the way, which is why I wanted to say his name one more time. But we said injuries are part of the game. And Chad said, I guarantee you, at some point in your NFL career, you're going to be injured. And the Kirk Cousins injury, love him or hate him, still kind of sucks. And if you didn't think it when it happened, you should think it the last couple of weeks. But now the Vikings are in a bye week. Not any more sure what to do at quarterback than they were when Kirk initially went down. And you didn't think, you know, a month ago that that would be the situation. So you're in a playoff push, but you don't know who you're in a playoff push with. So if it's Josh Dobbs, if it's Nick Mullins, if it's Jaron Hall, I still think KOC isn't relaxing or just trying to improve this team in a bye week. I think he's in a major pickle right now. But some of it will get to it as comparative as to why I put KOC at number three. Well, and it is, and it is... um uh, how you look at it today, right? Because, but here's the thing, and I wanted to add this when you said it. Uh, for those people that didn't want Kirk Cousins, this is what it looks like. You got three guys who are kind of muddling through, and hopefully you get you draft the right guy, right? right. Hopefully, otherwise, this is what ninety percent of the other teams have as a, a guy, and backed up by another guy with a third stringer who's probably a fifth round draft pick, which is exactly what the Vikings have. Right. right. Now. The only justification that I can see for not wanting Kirk Cousins long-term after what you've seen over the past month is either the cost, because I want to talk about that for a minute because it's part of why I put KOC at number three as well, and the lack of mobility. Now, I went on record on this show, I think it was two years ago, saying that Kirk is more mobile than he gets credit for, but that's because he gets credit for nothing. That's also why I think Kirk is a pretty good quarterback compared to what he gets credit for, because this fan base doesn't want to say he can do anything. If you don't want Kirk now... One of two things, congratulations on keeping an agenda no matter what, or you do realize that this game, the NFL as it is today, needs more mobility than Kirk can offer. I'll accept that. There's no question to me that Josh Dobbs is more mobile than Kirk Cousins. He's not better in any way, shape, or form. So if you still think the Vikings need to move on from Kirk, okay, but then you need to find a mobile quarterback and you need to draft one pretty high right away. Can can we change the the conversation though because they they talk about quarterbacks who are mobile being able to play off structure right well the key to that is they got to be able to play on structure to make off structure work right so mobility only helps if you can play in the pocket right otherwise they don't there's no respect for the pocket and that's my worry when we talk about Dobbs is when the other when the defensive line holds him in a spot he is way less effective right And I'm glad you brought that up because I think when people want a more mobile quarterback, they point to two right away. I'm with you if you say I'd rather have Pat Mahomes or Jalen Hurts than Kirk Cousins. I agree with you. I I can't formulate an argument against that. But I'm not sure that Kirk isn't better than Josh Allen right now because Josh Allen has had such a risky, inconsistent year. Lamar is probably better when healthy, but that's a huge when healthy. Justin Herbert, to me, is underachieving horribly. That could just be the fault of his head coach because... Brandon Staley, who I thought would be great, has been a bit of a waste. But I'm not sure you can list as many confidently that are better than Kirk that you used to be able to do. And Mahomes isn't a running quarterback, right? He's Mahomes. an improvising quarterback. Right, and so that's that's more like what we had with Fran Tarkington way back in the day. Um, all right, so this... But I wanted to close my yeah, KOC at do. three. please, Because you did bring up the cost of Kirk. And I looked at this a little more long-term. You said you got to look at it how it is today. And for the most part, I did. But in other cases, I didn't. You've got a general manager that, at least for now has been labeled as somebody who can't draft very well. Because other than Jordan Addison, the Vikings' two draft classes have given you what? Not a lot. Not a lot. You just gave me the hand signal for okay, and I think that's being a little bit positive. I think you're giving him the benefit of the doubt, calling it okay. It's probably less than that. But he has made some shrewd shrewd trades at times. The Hawkinson deal looks all right. I think we thought the Dobbs deal looked all right. They didn't give away much to get Dobbs. So even if it doesn't transpire into success, they didn't give away anything. But I'm not sure situationally you understand what you're going to have going forward. You've got Harrison Smith probably at the end of his career. You've got very, very young defensive players that could be good, but is your coordinator going to be around? And Daniil is probably not going to be around. Right, who's had a tremendous year under Brian Flores. So I put KOC at three. He's your one. Who's your two? Fitch. Um, Chris Finch. Yep, Mr. Finch. A little birdie told me. He has has turned, you know, who knows how much benefit he got from being there at the right time. But do you remember when he showed up here that the Timberwolves were just kind of a talented mess? And even last year, you could say that to a point. But he is, seems to have gotten the, the uh, locker room straightened out. 
Uh, he's let his he's let his guys be themselves without ruining you know without ruining the program. He has got them performing at a level that I don't know if you and I, who are big basketball fans, right. ever thought we'd see. Um, and so I, I think he has a lot of leeway for mistakes. I think if they have a bad couple of weeks, you know, unlike Evison, who we'll get to in a minute. Um, well, if, no, you won't because you only have to do current Minnesota coaches. Right. But remember, that happened while I was under sedation. True. I'm not even sure what it is. You're awake now, right? Um, anyways, the. Uh, the uh, Fitch has so much leeway right now that I think if you wanted to be a head coach and you're not KOC, that's the one you want to be because his team is young. He has proven that he's a good coach, and so he has leeway to make mistakes. All right, so as much fun as it was in the first segment with Kevin O'Connell here to debate each other and say, well, I've got this way different than you do, it's going to be less fun here with Chris Finch. I've got him in a different spot than you because you have him at number two. I put him at number one. Because I just took the low-hanging fruit and said, why wouldn't you want to be Chris Finch right now? You've got the best record in the Western Conference. This is a state that is begging for somebody to win because we don't do it very often. And you already hit on the other finer points. I think his biggest minus could also be his biggest plus. Because the only reason I debated putting Chris Finch anywhere other than number one was, does your state care about you yet? And they may not. They're coming around because other teams aren't. Absolutely. I've had hockey people text me about the Wolves in the past month more than I have in the past decade. But the <laughs> well, other, the Wolves kind of earned that, too. Correct. Yeah. But the other side of that coin, too, is if your state doesn't care yet, let's say this team takes a step backwards because they're going to. They're not going to play 800 basketball all year. That's a nice winning percentage. But let's be honest. If they fade a little, people are going to shrug their shoulders and go, oh, it's the Wolves. This is what they do. So you talk about leeway for mistakes. He's got plenty. He does. And if they if that happened and they finished, you know, seventh and in a play-in game again, I think we'd be frustrated. But there had to be a different reason than the coach. Right. The other thing is we always talk about a roster when healthy is good. A roster when not healthy is the opposite of good. Chris Finch is still good with a roster that isn't healthy right now. He's defying that idea because Jaden McDaniels hasn't been playing. Anthony Edwards only missed a game so far, but it is what it is. Somebody goes down on the regular and next man up is huge for the Wolves right now. We talked about this before the season. This is a deeper team than they've ever had. I don't think we thought it was this deep. No, and and Vikings fans, when you talk about uh, talent, you got to remember that our Vikings team is paper thin. Right. This Timberwolves team, they have they're twelve guys deep. If you like Gar- Luca Garza a little bit, like he's your eleventh man, and I think he can play in the NBA. He's not, you know, he's not going to play well over fifty games, but you give him a game or two here and there. He's going to be just fine, and that's that's where they're at. He's That guy used to be in their starting rotation. Now he's the 11th guy. Right. So the only reason that Chris Finch, to me, doesn't have like number one with a bullet, he's still my number one, but there are only a few things negatively I could put against him. And I said, you know, one of them can also be a plus because I don't think the state cares yet. But I still think that building is a bit of a dump. I don't like the Target Center for what it is. I haven't been there in a while because NBA ticket prices don't get me started. I want to go. My budget says not so fast. But I look at the Target Center and I go, ah, if this is going to start to be a winning organization, it needs to have a winning atmosphere around it. We hear from Jim Peterson all the time that the Target Center can rock when fans get in there. Yeah, but the building still needs to be better. Williams Arena is the same way, right? But Williams Arena at least has that historic nostalgia to right. it. The Target Center has, has none <laughs> has of history, that. but right. Williams Arena has a nickname. The Target Center doesn't, and I'd hate to uh, even hear the ideas that people <laughs> might come up with. And then I still think there's the uncertainty. You asked about it, I think, two weeks ago. Are you excited about Laurie and A-Rod, or are you fearful of Laurie and A-Rod? What's that going to do to this team? Yeah, I, I agree. And right now it looks really good. But what happens if, if the Target Center revamp doesn't go the way they right. want it to? That's what I mean. Considering that rumor is is that the governor has already been to the X and, and taking a look around. And that's supposed to be you know one of the best arenas in the country. If they're going to be willing to update that... They're going to have to throw some money at Target, don't you think? Yes, but at the same time, what's the easy cliche in sports? Sooner or later, you are what your record says you are. Well, guess what? Chris Finch's record is very, very good. Very good. All time, it's kind of crazy because I think he's second in wins already, only behind Flip. I'd have to take a moment to deep dive it, but when I think of Timberwolves coaches historically, who's the best? It is Flip. Who's second? I don't say Chris Finch right away, but I think in a month or two you might have to. You might have to. We talked about it before the show started. You know, when you're a when you're a 500 winning percentage on a program that hasn't hit 500 in decades, 
uh, you need to be respected. It's the PJ Fleck thing. Well, if you remember, PJ, people don't like remember what his winning percentage is, and then remember what it was beforehand. Right, and if you remember, you and I spent an evening, and this is a insight into how big of dorks we are. But you and I spent an evening at the state hockey tournament last year, researching the historical win loss records organizationally for head coaches for the Wild yeah. and Wolves. Yep. And what did we discover? The Timberwolves, <laughs> good luck finding a winning record that yep. isn't flip. I think it is Chris Finch right now besides him and not much else. Right. The Wild don't have a losing record on it, and that raised eyebrows for both of us right away. Yeah, no, that was interesting. Speaking of, um, I couldn't decide between three and four. Okay. So I put them... I put them um, You're going to laugh at mine because we have the Twins and Wild left, so it's Rocco... And Heinz. Heinz is his name. Right. I just put wild new coach. And I, you've got three and four as your spots left. I've got two and four as my spots left. I, I think that Rocco is in a situation where he's got some young talent. He's got a team leader at short. He's got an ace. And he has a program that just said we're not going to spend any money. Rocco gets the blame for all that. And sometimes should get, you know, the the kudos for some of it, but he never seems to get kudos, right? It's like, oh, yeah, look at how uh, Carlos played in the playoffs. He was great. He led them. And the next one is like, you know, Rocco could have done this and couldn't have right. done that. I don't think – I think Rock, Rocco's my four. Right? He's my four as well. I, I just think he's in a no-win situation. He's got he, He's got people upstairs, the analytic people that are telling him what to do. Uh, and I think he makes stuff out of Shinola a lot. Stuff. Very nice FCC regulations by you. I agree with a lot of what you said. It's interesting because I asked, how did you choose to do this? Like, how did you look at it? Who would you want to be personally? Or who do you think is doing the best job? Or who do you think gets the best treatment? Are all different facets of the category. Yep. Because I put Rocco at four as well. Now, who would I actually want to be? Rocco would be number one with a bullet. I would love to be a manager of a major league baseball team. I don't have the mind to do it, but of the jobs, that's the one I'd want. But in the current scenario, I agree Rocco's fourth. Because in some breath, the Twins should get the best breaks, if you will, because they've had the least expectations and exceeded them the most often, both with and before Rocco. It's a narrative that this team doesn't try financially to win. They've come out and said that this time. That's a plus and a minus because to me it's a plus because your expectations will be low because people know that. But they're coming off a great season and people are upset about it now. So I think Rocco's, you know, you can only handle, deal with the cards you're dealt kind of thing. What cards is he going to have? I think he's a good manager, but I think sometimes he's just a puppet with, like you said, the people upstairs pulling the strings. Uh, No, I agree with that 100%. And again, speaking of the cards, their their second best pitcher, who was second to Cy Young, is right. pitching for the cards. And um, I, the the hope, and they run this starting five, starting six out at you and say, but look, well, Chris Paddock has pitched like 16 innings in two years. Yep. I hope he He's is. He's going to be your number say. three, if not higher. Yep. And we saw that Joe Ryan was okay at the end. Very homer prone. Um, and Bailey Ober, let's hope, right? And he's he's probably the one you can put most money in. But again, he, last year at 200 innings is the most he's ever pitched. Right. And so, and Louis Varlin was great in the bullpen. But we saw an average starter. Like, I was say, you and little, I went to a start by Louis yeah, Varland, and I'm, we went, oh. I'm a little concerned about, about their pitching. Not a little. I'm a lot concerned about their pitching staff. All right, hold on to that because that's going to come up and buy or sell as well. But is it possible for Rocco, who we agree is at four on both of our lists, is it possible to be the most exciting and also the most difficult? Because I'm very excited about the kids that they have. We saw what Julian did. We saw what Walner could do. Obviously, Royce Lewis arguably was the postseason MVP for this team in the few games that they played. All of them should be back and be counted on to be a big deal. I'll tell you what, last year about this time, I said the same thing about Jose Miranda. If they all go the route of Jose Miranda, this team is screwed. The the real difference is that when Miranda started last year, the beginning, not last year, year before, he was bad to start with. And he came back and tore the cover off the ball. So right. you didn't know who you were going to get. But you don't want Royce Lewis to come back and have torn anything. Right. But if it, if you look at Julian, for instance, he could hit. He hit the whole time. He couldn't field, and he started fielding at the end. If Julian comes back next year and he's the fielder that started, he's going to play DH. Miranda needs to come back and prove that he's the player of the second half a year ago and not what we've seen since. Well, and the additional questions are, which Alex Kirloff do you get? 
How much of Alex Kirloff do you get dealing with another operation injury, et cetera? And then the cut payroll thing doesn't bother me as much as others. And people are going to go, here we go. Brian's defending the poll ads because this is what he does. Well, I'm not, but I can't defend Bally. And that's the reason for it too. 100%. But what I'm concerned about is not the fact that the twins aren't going to be in a bidding war for the best free agents in the game. They've never been outside of Carlos Correa. They've just never been, but they did a really good job of some really shrewd moves right. last year with the Michael A. Taylor signing Donovan Solano. I barely knew who he was became one of the key cogs to this team last Billy, year. What's his name? The little fill-ins, the Willie Castro That's deal. Yep, yep. The little fill-ins that that made things go. You know, Byron Buxton wasn't a factor on this team last year. Michael A. Taylor was. I don't expect either one to necessarily be playing center field next year, and that scares me. No, I kind of think looking at free agents, which one thinks which one says twins most hard? Prepare to have Mr. I wish it was Cody Bellinger, but it's not. Prepare to have Harrison Bader be your uh, center fielder next year. Which he could pop the occasional home run for the Yankees, but that stadium, anybody can. can. He can play defense like everything, but he can't hit a lick. It sounds exactly like Michael A. Taylor before he came here. But I'll tell you this, if they do go get a Harrison Bader, I'd actually be pretty impressed because that's what I fear, that cutting payroll to not spend a bazillion on an ace, I get it. I've been a Twins fan long enough, that's what happens. Cutting payroll to the point that you don't get the bit parts that you need. So it is, you know, Austin Martin instead of a Harrison Bader. Part of me fears that you're counting on a Jake Cave again. The other thing is, is this is such a weak starting pitching um, uh, free agency. Did you see what the the offers for Lucas Giolito, who we thought maybe he'd be our guy because we knew him and he had a really bad year. I saw four years, $80 million. Yeah. And the Twins shouldn't spend Four years no. and eighty million dollars. You know who him. else got paid like that in the state of Minnesota? Couldn't get over it. The Kirk Cousins class of quarterbacks wasn't that good either. Yeah, that's a hundred percent correct. So we got to be careful. There's a difference between spending, and there's a difference between spending wisely. Right. And I think because this this free agent crop of pitchers is so weak that you're going to see big money go to people that really should be here one million ten or one year ten million dollars. All right, so we both put Rocco at four. That leaves Wild Coach DeJour as the last choice in order of discussion. But he becomes my two, which is pretty high, and your three. I'm I'm really interested why he's your two. Well, because it's a narrative that I just won't get off of because this state loves this sport. I don't know anything about hockey beyond how to do play-by-play of it. If I was hired as the Minnesota Wild Coach tomorrow— the state of Minnesota would go, hey, welcome, Brian Prudhomme. We got the next best thing. Pack the X. Here we go. Stanley Cup playing the parade. That's that's what this state does with this sport. If you're going to get a head coaching job in the state of hockey, you're going to enjoy it because it's the state of hockey. Now, is it an NHL blue blood? No, it isn't. Is it a market that's going to care about the sport no matter what you do? So far. So that's a big part of why it's my number two. So I think, and it's a beautiful building opposite of the Target I, Center. I think it's the number three for this guy because legitimately they're playing poorly. Now they've played well two games in a row. Right. So let's everybody take a they're breath. They're going to win tomorrow too. Book um, it. If he, he could be the first head coach with a losing record and he will be hung in effigy. Like they will say, okay, so they, and, and Billy's got to be afraid of that too because if his guy comes in and goes under 500, because the thing about un un bridled love is when the other part doesn't return that love and produce, it can turn into unbridled loathing really, really fast. And that, and how much, I mean, I don't know what you were reading, but when I followed up reading, it was so much, this guy hasn't done anything. Right. No, I read that and And, I thought, what the perfect pedigree is that? He's never been out of the first round. He screams Minnesota wild. And, and so I think that if he turns into be a bust, that he he could get run out of town on a rail. Well, there's two other things that I thought worked in his favor, and one of them I don't want to discuss too deeply because P.S. is going to come up and buy or sell as well, and I don't want to do two segments in one, and then we'll just sit here and look at each other lovingly for the second segment of the second hour. Tell me about your surgery. Right, but a couple of things that I thought about is I almost likened it to the backup quarterback situation. If the number one quarterback isn't playing well, the old adage is the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy in town. Dean Evison's team wasn't doing very well. I think we loved, past tense, Dean Evison, but it had grown stale. I'm not saying that the fan base was championing getting rid of him when they did. I think they thought it was going to be his last season, or maybe he made it through the holidays and the new year had a new coach. But he's won a couple games. We've already seen tweets. Social media is a cesspool. I get it. But we've already seen tweets about, 
Look at how much this team cares now, motivated for a different guy. Does it last more than a week? We'll see. But he's got the leash for mistakes because how could you get worse than what was going on? You made a great point. Great point. And and I need to, Once in a while. I need to tip my hat to you, but I think you missed the mark. So I agree that everybody's favorite player is the backup quarterback. Look at what happened to the Vikings. The Wild did exactly what the Vikings did. They contacted another team, pulled in a guy who couldn't win, brought him in, had him start for the guy that we got rid of, and they went 2-0 and to start. Now that they lost two stinkers, people are thinking, oh, yeah, well, Josh Dobbs is the Josh Dobbs that we knew he was before he got here, but we got super excited. I'm a little worried about that with this guy. I'm going to counter with this. Great point again, but yes. I'm going to counter with this. So both the Vikings and the Wild and basically Minnesota's team du jour, besides the Twins twice, have been falling short because it's what they do. Yeah. Which of those two teams, whether it's by the nature in which they lose, the popularity of the sport, the longevity of the franchise, you pick one. Which one of those teams, when they fall short of expectation, faces more scrutiny? It's well, not the wild. We, well, the fact that you even thought that long is wrong. Well, I, I, so I think here's the thing. They've never really fallen short of expectation. They, they have. For, but why, though? Because right, the be, expectations we put on them are very different. Right. So absolutely, it's Rocco. I thought you were going to go the other no, direction. No, no, it's, it's the Vikings that are scrutinized. Because oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you said, look at what happened to the Vikings. I agree with you. But wild fans are never going to give a Viking-esque reaction to a wild yeah. season. But here's, here's the thing. If for whoever's the coach that brings the wild to a Stanley Cup, is they're going to have a license plate right, for him. Right. Like he will be, you know, this the name is, of the state won't be Minnesota. It'll right. be Heinz Whatever. if that's the guy who does it. Correct. So that's so the flip side is he also has the most pressure because that organization, that organization, that fan base expects. Well, my last point is this, and I don't want to go too deep because I have it as part of buy or sell. It could put him at number two where I put him. It could put him at three or four where you debated putting him. But how long is Heinz here? Is he a Band-Aid until the salary cap purgatory lifts and Aaron wants a different guy? Or is he someone that got his opportunity now and he's going to be here when the purse strings are different? All of a sudden, it's a fantastic place to be. Yeah, boy, if we can hold on and, and we don't lose the if we don't lose the minds of Kaprizov and Boldy, which it seems like maybe that was one of the concerns here, is that they had kind of checked out. When we get some money, yeah, and they put a number one center there, um, you're right. Could be really good. Here's the thing. One of my favorite cliches was you can make any comparison you want, and then you finish the phrase with, that's more than Heinz got ketchup. Well, Heinz in the wild got a lot of catching up to do. What if he only coaches 57 games? What will you call that? Is that series? more or less than Torchetti? That will be my question. That would be the Heinz 57? Exactly. Yeah. So which coach would you like to be? I never thought I'd be doing this, but bumping out with the Spice Girls. Want to be. Buy or sell is next. Stick around. We'll be right back. We aren't saying goodbye quite yet. We've got two segments to go. This one will be buy or sell. And closing the show per usual, I'll tell you what, I've done a lot of games this week at various gymnasiums and rinks around the area. And a couple of people asked me who's on the show, and I listed. I said, well, Chad Greenway, Corey Bashan, Hoops, and Vency. And I'll tell you what, they're getting to be like Madonna and Cher because – a couple of people that asked me said, you don't even have to tell me about Hoops and Vency. I know that. you got to close with Vency. We will today. Absolutely right, Brian. Absolutely right. And I'm starting to grind through. So if I sound a little tired, it's uh, we're getting to the end of the uh, end, end of the day. Yes. Dave Cook refusing to go on the injured list. Had meniscus surgery this week, but he's here in studio. Radio is not a visual medium, but he's essentially been laying through much of the show. We're about to play buy or sell. Please buy what our sponsors are selling. Absolutely. Let's start with Aurora Architecture Studio, the granddaddy of our sponsors. I'm sure he'd love that. Hoops Brewing. He'll be like, go back to the OG, please. (laughs) Our holdings. Carlos Heating and Cooling, your carrier, carrier, your carrier, HVAC authorized dealer. Advantage Element Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, the Blackwoods Group, including their locations on London Road, in Proctor, in Two Harbors, Blackwater Downtown, and Tavern on the Hill, where Dave was Tuesday night. Avenue 45, the Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Pier B Resort, Kohler Toyota and Kohler Hyundai, Comfort Systems, and Mike Regan at Christensen Group Insurance. Absolutely. Thank you so much to all of them. Mike Regan, one of my favorite people you'll find in this area. I've watched a couple of Vikings games in person with him, and he goes through the frustration just like I do. So uh, I don't how watch. How do you sit together then? I was going to say, I don't watch games with a lot of people, but those that I do, I've actually tried something this year of watching it with people that see it like I do. and. Maybe misery really does love company. (laughs) Yeah, that would be you. So we are about to play buy or sell. 
And again, if you're new to the game, here's how it works. I'm going to give a statement for each of the four major pro sports leagues. If you agree with what I'm saying, you say bye, and you tell me why. If you disagree, you say sell, and you tell me why. Now, some of these, just to give you a little precursor, Dave Cook, is topics that we brought up with our guests today and gotten their opinions, but we didn't really give ours, and we're finally going to get to do that. Now, let's see if you pass the big test today because yes. Hold, you, no, you've, I know what it you've is. struggled I know with what part is. of this before, but you know your role let's here. Let's start with the NFL since we're on a Look bye week. Look at you doing it right. He does know that, not to mention the Minnesota team, but to mention the league. Well, he knows. We'll see if he gets through four. All right. So the NFL does involve our Vikings. The quarterback conundrum has been brought up with everybody that we've had on today, essentially. But we haven't said what we would do. So buy or sell if... You're KOC. You're sticking with Josh Dobbs. I'm going to sell. And I do that with a lot of trepidation, as you can see. I'm not like hardcore selling. I'm like layaway selling. Um, I think that I would bring Hall back uh, because right now the rest of the team is performing really well. And I think I've coached Hall long enough to know what he's good at and what he's not good at and how I can make my offense around him. Uh, I think I give him the shot. That being said, I think it's going to be Dobbs. All right. I'm going to buy that I'm sticking with Josh Dobbs. I'm doing it for one more week only if it goes anywhere near how the last two have gone. And there's a multitude of reasons, but my biggest one is this. One of my favorite phrases, I think it's a Seinfeldism, is the phrase, it's not you, it's me. And I think if I'm KOC, I need to find that out. Yeah. Because we've talked about it. Coaches' jobs, whether it's prep, college, or professional levels, are to put your roster into places to be successful. And we talked about KOC seemed to do that the first two games of Josh Dobbs. And it's debatable whether he did that the last two. So if I'm KOC, I stick with Josh Dobbs. I adjust my game plan thinking it fits him better. And if he continues to fail, that's when you say, okay, I've done everything I can. Sooner or later, he just can't perform. I give him the Raiders game, and if it flounders, that's it. So here's a question. I'm going to ask Vincey this. So, Vincey, if you're listening, shut your ears. Um, that's hard to do. I know. Plug them. Okay, plug them. JJ's coming back, Brian. How much spice does that throw into this soup? Like, if you're going to say we're going to keep Dobbs, I'm going to, um, you know, let him create and make things simple. But the best wide receiver in the NFL is back. He's going to want his touches. How do you do that combination? But I also think that's the other reason you give him this one week. You've got the best weapon that is on this roster back at your disposal. And if you still stink, pretty soon you just stink. <laughs> Very good. All right. So the NFL's done. You got three left. Let's go with Major League Baseball. All right. Two for Major two. League Baseball. He is two for two. Meanwhile, the Twins said goodbye to two of their pitchers from last year this week. It was Sunday when the Maeda news broke. And a couple of days later, Sonny Gray was a St. Louis Cardinal. You're missing Pagan. And yes, actually that one I took the hardest, but Pagan wasn't part of the rotation. It was part of the Twitter rotation, but that's a different rotation altogether. So in terms of the starters, you will not have Kenta Maeda. You will not have Sonny Gray. I am one that thinks that they can be somewhat replaced, not directly, but somewhat replaced. But buy or sell this. Are you concerned in general that the Twins rotation simply could be too young? Another great question. Thank you. Am I concerned? I had more time this week than you did. Am I concerned they're too young? No. Am I concerned they're too inexperienced? Yes. Because Ryan's young, but Ryan has, you know, he's he's got more experience. So I'm less worried about him. Ober's young, but last year he outpitched his his innings by like 60. Right. Um, And uh, Louis Varland is 100% correct. His experience and his age scares the devil out of me. But what's our option? Right? Is it Simeon Woods Richardson who throws, you know, 45? Is it handing and, too much money to Michael Waka? Well, there's your, that's your other concern. And we talked about that. What are you going to do with your money? You got to spend it wisely. Right. So I'm going to buy that they might be too young because of this. Now, you can say you don't just watch an ace. And I put that heavy on the air quotes, even though you can't see me because radio is not a visual medium. But it was good air quotes. Because I'll contend that Pablo Lopez was their ace. Sonny Gray numerically looked that way and Cy Young voting looked that way. But we talk about this with Kirk Cousins. Numbers say one thing, I test say another. If you watch Sonny Gray starts, his numbers were very good, but he was under duress a lot. I look at his whip as much as I look at his ERA and things like that. And and we talk about innings he didn't get because the pitch count was higher than it should have been. I'm not going to say that made his season poor. That's not fair. But I don't know that he was 
necessarily second in the Cy Young type season. That might be an indictment on the seasons by the rest of the pitchers out there, not named Garrett Cole. So Sonny Gray for that price, I wasn't shocked to see him walk, especially knowing the Twins' budget and how they declared it. But Sonny Gray seemed to do this for the rest of that staff. They pitched well last season as well. And granted, it's only what Bally catches on camera, which is another adventure all its own. But you always saw the younger arms flocking to Sonny Gray to learn something. And it seemed to, you know, seep into their next start. And, you know, this kid's turned a corner. This kid has this pitch now. This kid's learning to do this. And I don't think that was Phil Mackey necessarily as the pitching coach. I think that was picking the ear of a grizzled veteran. Where do you do that now? If you're Joe Ryan, Uh if you're Chris Paddock just coming back. You know, if you're Bailey Ober, who's your source of knowledge? So the Twins might have another reclamation project that they sign as a fifth, but are they going to sign him to be a tutor just as much? Well, that's a really good point, Brian. That's that's something that they really need to consider because if you bring a bad egg in, and you know the same the same for the same idea, and all of a sudden he's turning your pitchers against whatever, um, you really have to mind that. That's a that's a fantastic point. You really have to pay attention to what you're bringing in the building, too. All right. So we've got the NHL and the NBA left. What would you like to do? Let's go with the NHL. See what I did? I made that impossible yes, for you to screw up. I that. made it multiple choice. You think I'd have not paid attention to that? All right. So the NHL does involve the Minnesota Wild. They made a coaching change this week. Oh, by the way, buy or sell that Coach Hines is nothing more than a gap stop band-aid, or is he a long-term coach in Minnesota? So I'm going to buy the fact that he's a Band-Aid. The thing here is, and I'm sorry I'm moving the microphone around. It's okay. I'm trying to get you comfortable. get comfortable. I can't right now. Um, For anyways, six weeks. Yeah. Doctor said don't get comfortable. Anyways, the um, um, I, I believe I buy the fact that he is a stopgap. But here's the thing. He is Billy's guy. Garen played for him, played alongside of him. Um, and so those guys, Billy's guys, tend to get a little bit more leeway. And so if he performs at all, like if they're better than they right. are right now for the rest of the year, notice I didn't say a playoff team or anything. If, if he gets there, he's a long-term solution for now. Yeah, but we seem to, as, a, as an organization, we seem to have a fondness for that. Because yep. look at all of our coaches that have been replacements for 10 games, did great, and now we have a four-year contract on them. So uh, I, think he's a, I think he's a caretaker, but if he does anything, he's not. Yeah, I'm going to buy that he's just a, a stopgap. Thank you. I think I misspoke that terminology when I led in with this, but I'm going to buy that he's a Band-Aid. That's just easier. But the Garen friendship thing is is why I almost hesitated to answer because you yep. can't tell. But I just think that just like I thought with Everson, there just happened to be a guy in between, not unlike Torchetti probably. Yeah, I think Topher Davis said it best when he was on the show a few weeks back. There's a plan for when this team becomes financially ready to be viable again that they need somebody new in charge to be in charge of that. Now, Bill Guerin will be in charge of the moves as the GM, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Coach and GM that'll be, you know, in sync about what they're going to do from a financial standpoint. Now, maybe after saying it out loud that Bill Guerin wants his buddy to be doing that with him. Yeah. And I think that's very true. The problem is, is, and it seems to be the problem with everything right now is the extensions with the no move contracts that he gave out for three years. Like the coach is going to be stuck with those people, even when the salary cap clears up. Uh, and what are you going to do, right? And so that's why I think this coach can't be the coach when they have money because he's going to be locked into these guys and they need somebody whose eyes don't include being their coach for all these years. All right, easy one. You have one left, the NBA. Would you like to choose it? I would like to choose the NBA. And by the way, that's four, four for four. four. Yes, that'll get you into the Hall of Fame. That vote hasn't happened yet, but you'd be in. <laughs> All right, so last week in the NBA buy or sell segment, I was all about issuing apologies. Nothing's changed in a week. Buy or sell that this fan base owes Rudy Gobert an apology. Ugh, I'm going to sell, and I'm going to sell because Rudy makes a lot of money, and the fans had every right to boo him last year, and now they aren't, and they, I mean – He's, he's just going to have to man up and not expect an apology because they're cheering the heck out of him right now. All right. I'm going to buy that they owe him an apology. Whether or not he gets one is a different story, and you're right. You know, pro athletes shouldn't need it. I understand that. But I said it all year last year, not necessarily in defense of his play, but look at Rudy Gobert statistically. 
What you get with Rudy Gobert is never going to change. He is a walking double-double. Now that double-double might be 14-11, and 11, and that's not going to jump off paper in an NBA box score. And I understand the price tag that came with getting him, but the Herschel Walker comparisons knock it off. You're, you're not building a dynasty in Utah, and Rudy Gobert wasn't necessarily the missing piece like Herschel was supposed to be on this team. Really what it is, is Rudy Gobert is finally systematically able to be Rudy Gobert and be successful. You owe Rudy an apology because Carl Anthony Towns is healthy and playing well. Chris Finch and company do have a method by which this does work. So here's my question. Last year, Walker Kessler was running for rookie of the year, right? right? Now he's just a guy who comes off the bench. Does that make a difference in how we see this? 100% it does. It's, it's the fact that sports, and it's the livelihood of having a talk show like this, is the instant gratification industry capital of the world. Yep. And so in the moment, they reacted the way they did, and we went, okay, I understand why. But you and I are deeper thinkers, big picture guys, and went, well, just wait a minute. Just let it play out. Now, I've said let it play out and been burned before because I said it for how long with Lewis seen? Well, I've seen enough. Yeah. But the Timberwolves— No, you haven't. That's the problem. Right. <laughs> haven't seen them at all. <laughs> Can't find them with a flashlight. But, you know, at the same time, the Timberwolves, I think part of the reaction that was fun last year is at least they were being scrutinized because it proved somebody cared. Well, when you actually take a minute and look at how this was supposed to work, when you've got the two— you know, as they say, big bodies, trees, twin towers, whatever you want to do, playing that 80s, 90s basketball with basically two centers in frame and wondering if it'll work. And Chris Finch said, we had this plan. We just need to execute it. So far, so good. So speaking of fans, can I give you a future buy or sell? Yes. All right. So I would like to know if the turnaround for this team was either Patrick Beverly getting here and having us believe a little bit or was it when D'Angelo Russell challenged the fans to get off their butts and cheer because this team is good? It was neither one. It was D'Angelo Russell leaving because Mike Connolly is the guidance that this team needs more go. than anything. So we'll figure that out as time goes on. I was going to say, that was supposed to be a future buy or sell. I goofed. I answered it right away. We close the show you with the way wrong. everybody knows that we do. Vensi's next. Stick around. We'll be right back. It's the safety dance. That means our favorite safety is with us again. Vensi Glenn right around the corner. Speaking of dancing, Dave Cook won't be doing that for at least six weeks. But meniscus repair be damned. He's in the studio and he made it to the show. He's toughing through one final segment. Everybody knows the fun of the final segment. It is Vincey Glenn. Good morning, sir. How are we doing? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Doing well. We got Dave Cook laying in the studio. Had a meniscus repair back on Wednesday. But as I said, surgery be damned. He wanted to talk to you. Absolutely. What I told him, Vincey, I said I can make it through to talk to Vincey. Okay, Dave. I'm just going to say that's not to put any kind of pressure on you. I had a medium meniscus tear done in uh, 92 or 3 with the Vikings. I was back running full speed in eight, in, uh, eight days. What's your excuse? Yeah, the doctor said no contact with the ground <laughs> at all for six weeks. That's, well, that's the biggest one. Vincey, let me, let me offer an excuse for Dave. Were you 55 back in the 90s? <laughs> that might be the difference as well. <laughs> oh, shoot. Rest, <laughs> this is... You know, I've had multiple neck surgeries. I've had a voice replaced. I've got all this stuff that I've done. And here I am with a knee surgery and I can't touch anything. Come on. This is, <laughs> God, yeah, this God. is so frustrating. We'll be- but what are we going to do? All right. So, Vincey, I want to start by giving you the floor because when I said, you know, it's the Vikings bye week, you're entitled to the week off if you'd like it. And you said, no, no, no. I want to remind you guys of a conversation we've had. So you're going to steer the ship today. What, uh, what do you have to bring to our attention here during the bye week? Well, I just wanted to bring this to your attention. A couple of weeks ago, you asked me in the beginning of a show, you were talking about the Vikings offense, and you had talked about Dobbs, and you said, is he the guy? And I said, the guy? <laughs> the guy? Can't be. Not coming from another team, getting traded and being on a couple other teams, you can't be the guy. This is why he's not the guy because you can't score against the Chicago Bears. You Dave, can Cook, never beat the guy. Dave Cook, you should feel targeted. That was your question. Uh, no, but that's 100% what my question was about. That would remember, Vincey, that's when people were dancing around and high-fiving each other, and I was like, gosh, he's been so many places. Is everybody else blind? Is he really the guy? Yeah. I just, and one, he's, he's mobile, so he can extend the play and make things happen. But that tells me at the same time, when you need a drive and you need pre-snap reads, he's not getting that. He doesn't have that. 
because he's holding the ball, trying to figure out where he wants to go instead of 2.3. And if you even look at Jalen Hurts now, he gets rid of the ball in 2.4. His pre-snap read and understanding the game and how he wants to move his team down the field is phenomenal. Tools like that. Brady was always like that. And the ones that hold it, they can spin the play. And we talk about how great a throw they are. The longer they hold the ball, the shorter their time of being healthy in the NFL is going to be. No doubt that time is important because defenses are getting after him. I've been dying to ask somebody this question, and I was upset that I didn't bring it up to Chad Greenway, who we opened the show with. But Brian Flores, we've talked about him almost every week. He's done a lot of greatness with this Viking defense. But the last couple of weeks, the blitz rate has gone down in what's turned out to be the game-winning drive for the opposition. Did you notice that, and what do you think the thought process is? Because I get it. As a secondary member, you got to be ready in a blink if everybody's you know bringing the house kind of thing. But the blitz is their identity. You bring the word identity up a lot. They went away from that identity and losing to the Broncos and the Bears at a time where, obviously, in hindsight, people feel they shouldn't have. Good football teams blitz when they're under when they're under duress, when they want to put the other team under duress. But when you're trying to lose or win a game and you want to play smart defense, you can't just throw caution to the wind because one play, these guys get tired. The defense has been on the field a lot this year. The games, they get tired. So they're not that effective coming off the ball. And if you don't get there when you blitz in the NFL, your cornerback or safety likely or linebacker is probably going to get beat that play. And you just can't give up the, that one play. So letting teams, you can only got so many blitzes. It's not like you got 25 different blitzes to go through. So when teams can figure you out and understand who blitzes for you in certain situations, now you create them one-on-ones and a lot of them are mismatches. So you can't just always blitz, even though you're a blitzing type team. I can appreciate that. One quick follow-up. This is a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but mostly not. So the Ed Donatel defense a year ago, the joke is that that defense got Daniel Jones paid because the Giants lit us up twice, and the Giants may regret the Daniel Jones contract going forward. There's been a lot of controversy about whether Justin Fields is the guy or not. The Vikings at times made him look terrible, but he won the game. If you're the Bears, are you sticking with Justin Fields or not? I just don't know if that style quarterback is going to be the style of the future in the next few years. I agree. If you can't throw the ball and pre pre-snap read and get rid of the ball like the tool and the jailer. You're not going to play long. You're going to get hurt. Your receivers are going to get hurt. You don't have that kind of time to sit back there and figure the game out. You have to come in productive and being able to understand defenses and having the right, right guys around you to help you move your offense down the field. If you're lining right or you don't have the right tight ends and all that, you're not going to be a successful uh, quarterback. You have to have the right coaches to understand you and let you use your advantages to help your disadvantages. And a lot of coaches just come in with their own style of playing and and what kind of offense they want to run, but the quarterbacks and the linemen and the personnel they have just doesn't fit that style of offense. So there's a difference. You have to be in the right system. I don't care what position you are, a player you are. Uh, to play in the NFL, you have to be in the right system for you. 100% agree. Say, Vince, um, there's a story about a Twins pitcher way back who had a fantastic changeup, and one game he was getting hit around, and one of the players came up to him and said, son, they call it a changeup because you're playing it off your fastball. You haven't thrown a fastball yet. And, you know, that's what makes a strong pitcher. So we hear a lot about, with, especially with Dobbs, but also when you're looking at young quarterbacks, and they say he can play off structure, he can play off structure. Doesn't it entail that a quarterback's got to be able to play in structure in order to make you know, the mobile quarterback? The mobile quarterback, if his greatest skill is mobility, and he's not playing in any kind of structure, does that help a quarterback, or can you just lay back and you know, challenge him to throw the ball as you know he's going to run? You have to play in structure. You just have to. Everything, it's a system. That's why you practice. Uh, out routes are timing route. Digs are timing route. You know, uh, back back shoulder throws are timing route. So that's structural. 
that's that's a structure. That's a foundation you have to have. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a foundation at no position, you're guessing because hey, guys, they get paid on the other side of the ball too. And that's what people don't understand when they talk about offense and quarterbacks. He's all this in college, and he's all that. He can throw this, put throw, make this throw. Hey, man, it, it, it doesn't matter. They get paid on the other side of the ball to be good. So if you don't understand and respect what they're doing over there and have some kind of sense of what kind of defense they're trying to run against you, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. I would agree with that. I saw a post-game interview with Harrison Smith on Monday night, and he looked as frustrated as you'll ever see a player for obvious reasons with the way that that game was lost. I did ask Chad Greenway this about an hour and change ago. I'm curious how players spend the bye week or how they should be. Does it differ from coach to coach? Does it differ where you are in the season? If you're Philadelphia, if you're San Francisco, and you're lighting everybody up, do they just say, take a vacation, we'll we'll see you soon? Is it different because they're going in on a two-game skid? Is there the want to get away from the game completely? The bye week this late, I think, is good, but how are players, do you think, spending it, and how should they be? I think it all depends on where you're sitting in the, in your division. Uh, like, guys like guys that have a chance to go to the playoffs and know they're going to the playoffs, they're, they're healing, they're getting healthy, they're sitting there getting treatment, relaxing with their families, and just getting ready mentally to go to the next level for the playoffs. Other people that know their dates checked out, such as like a Carolina Panthers and all that, they're probably just getting ready for Christmas and hanging out and, and chilling and just trying to get through the season unhealthy. Uh, I've been on both sides of the fence, you know, but I played every game last year if it was my last game. Um, but some guys just don't do that. And so it depends on your demographics, what kind of coaches you got uh, and leaders you have on your team pretty much to say, hey, man, let's let's finish the race. And a lot of guys can and a lot of guys can't. That's well said. Vincey, we're just going to close with this because we asked everybody else, if you're Kevin O'Connell, does Josh Dobbs start against the Raiders next Sunday? Yes. Who else you got? You all your backup that you drafted? I don't know. Not if you're still trying to win, and they're not all the way out. They can get on a little roll, but they just got to learn how to win, period. I would agree with that. Vincey, I'll tell you what. We've had this show for six years. You know who taught us how to have a winning show? You did. Yep. Every um, week we love this. Let's keep doing it, man. It never gets old. You got it. Hey, Dave, get healthy, pal. Thank you, I sir. And I'll tell you yep. this, Vincey, with the holidays coming, I got a feeling you'd be invited to my family's Christmas because I want to share this with you. You were on for however many consecutive weeks this has been. And my mom just sent me a text message that said, I love everything about Vency's segment, including the intro music. So if you ever need a second family, I'm going to nominate mine. <laughs> hey, man, I'm there. Just have some sweet potato pie. All right, there you go. Your, your order's been submitted. Vency, we appreciate you. Let's talk again next week. All right, take care, guys. All right, that's our guy, 2-5. That is Vency Glenn. What a show. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. We got to thank everybody that joined us. Corey Pashand was here, Chad Greenway, Dave Hoops, and, of course, Vency Glenn. And Dave Cook. Injuries be damned. Get better. Let's race out the door. My money's on me. Yep. (laughs) No question. My money. Who'd put money on that? I tell you what, it's a race that people would want. I've I've heard of the tortoise and the hare. How about the tortoise and the tortoise? Yes, that's exactly what it is. Dave Cook and I will exit on that note. Have a great weekend. Enjoy it. Everybody, we'll see you back here next Saturday. Have a good one.